Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Bradham. It's the assistant to the regional manager, Joe George, behind the glass. And it is a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The Houston Astros played their most important game of the regular season until tomorrow. Uh, Yesterday on the road against Seattle, it was all but a must win for the Houston Astros. We talked about it all day yesterday. The ramifications, the importance, everything that was at stake. And the Houston Astros blankers, like the Houston Astros tend to do, they flipped the switch and they won a very important baseball game. They did. They handled some business, and they even gave up uh, the the first run of the game so that they, again, were playing from behind where the numbers don't normally favor them. And they came right back, and they sent several messages, and there was lots of issues within the game, the game within the game. Uh, it was fun to watch, a, a good win for this team, but let's not hope that the pattern, which has been lately, is they do something like this. People start calling it a statement game and, and obviously capitalize on how important that game was. And then the next game, they lay an egg. So you hope that doesn't happen because that was a very good win. Yeah, you hope that uh, that momentum continues. Like, you, you hope that this yesterday was, okay, that's that's the switch that we're flipping. And now we're going to stay on that positive you know, path forward uh, going into Arizona, which is not going to be easy. Like, yesterday was not your playoff clincher. Yesterday didn't get you into the postseason. It just enhanced your odds of making the postseason. And Arizona's still playing for something, too, by the way. So it's like, it's not done. It's not, you know, it didn't clinch that playoff spot. So uh, that is something to keep in mind. But I think the lead of that game is the fact that they won it. Like, there was a lot of things that happened, obviously. Like, Jordan Alvarez getting Barry Bonds treatment after he hit one like Barry Bonds. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, again, steps up in a critical moment, you know, which speaks to the value that he has meant to the Houston Astros this year. I thought Dusty Baker pressed all the right buttons in a critical game a year after he pressed all the right buttons in the playoffs last year. Then, of course, you have the Hector Neris issue with Julio Rodriguez, two teams that have had bad blood against one another, and you had some controversy and trauma yesterday as well. So there was a lot of sub-stories in this game. There was a lot of storylines in the game. But to me, the Astros going into Seattle, critical series, your playoff life is mostly on the line, taking two of three on the road. And again, look, I know Seattle has the tiebreaker on you, but when it mattered most, you go into the house of a division rival and you leave town with a series victory. Yeah, no doubt. You win two out of three against a good baseball team, no matter how they've been playing lately. Uh, at, at the absolute most critical time of the season, it's big. You, you know, you, you, you come out of... And it's weird to say, but I think one of the reasons why, and it could be a blessing and a curse, that when this team feels like, and everybody feels like, you absolutely have to win a game. You think about the last game of the Baltimore series. They came out and they won a game. When you knew how critical this series was, and it's on the road, but for them it doesn't seem to matter because it seems like when the deck is stacked against them, they step it up to another level. They obviously don't do it when they, and they play to the level of their competition when teams are awful like the Royals and like the A's. But my, my oh my, to win two out of three when everybody, including us, was second-guessing and wondering what, which team's going to show up. When is this team really going to perform to their capabilities based on the roster? To see what they did last night, to really overcome a, a less-than-stellar Framber Valdez, and to give up the, the, the run early and to see you know Crawford and, and those guys seem to really be filling themselves coming out of that you know the, the first couple at-bats, it was like, ooh, they're really going to be kind of checked to see how they can handle all of this. Handled it well. I don't know how uh, J.P. Crawford hit that pitch out. I really boy, don't. Boy, it was inside already, and he turned on and kept it fair. It was 92 with sink, 
that missed the inside corner by about a baseball. I have no idea how he yanked that ball out of the ballpark. That was pretty impressive. I didn't notice it like live. I just like, oh, there's a ball that's gone. This is a great start. After you know, <laughs> you don't you don't, you don't want to be a team that gets behind. And then I watched the the condensed game this morning, and I didn't. I was like, oh, dang, how did he hit that ball out? That's a ball, ball and a half inside off the plate at 92 with sink and you run that out of there against a lefty that was impressive like that was selling out to see that pitch and he got that pitch and he yanked it out of there uh, but an impressive effort for the Astros now you do have to continue it you, you mentioned the Fromber Valdez part of it too like if you told me yesterday before the game that this was going to be the start that Fromber Valdez gave you it's like, eh, I, don't, I don't think you're winning the baseball game you, he goes four innings that's not a win that's not a recipe for victory he gets up three runs in those four innings he's walked five in those four innings there's no way the Astros win that baseball game so while Fromber really was kind of poor like if we're if we're calling a spade a spade Fromber for Fromber Valdez standards that's one of his more poor starts of the year did a pretty good job to only give up three runs though like it could have been far far worse than three runs over four like at least he kept you in the game as opposed to it being seven nothing after three which it could have been like one big hit all of a sudden, the Astros are looking like they're down by five runs in the, after the second inning. Well, Jeremy, think about that, too. It's not only the fact that he could have given up more, but emotionally, he was getting rattled. He was being tested. He knew that he wasn't getting calls, and he was literally talking to the umpire and palms to the sky, and where was that, and really getting vocal to the point where you're like, uh-oh, this is where he could teeter on just you know crumbling right in front of our eyes and having one of those nights where he implodes. He kept it together enough to keep you in the ball game. At a certain point, I don't blame Dusty for doing what he did because because of the big inning, because you got not only Jordan but then Dubon, that you're like, okay, now you're in more of a position of strength. Let's play this smartly. Let's not go out and, and immediately after getting some runs, throw some kerosene on the fire and then torch the whole thing again and put yourself in another hole. He did enough to try and do his very best just to keep you in it, but it obviously was not what you expected or wanted out of Fromber Valde. Yeah, Vanover, Larry Vanover, who was the home plate umpire yeah. yesterday, he was he was getting a little bit on Twitter. Um, and look, I think it was bothering Fromber. Like, Fromber thought he was getting some pitches at the, at the bottom of the zone that he thought were strikes that weren't. There were some pitches that weren't in the zone that he thought were. Uh, you could see him getting rattled a little bit, but got look, he was fortunate to get out of that first inning with only one run. It could have gotten really, really bad there. Now, the whole ump scorecard thing, if mm-hmm. you're a believer in the ump scorecard, they said that Larry Vanover favored the Astros by three quarters of a run yesterday. So you believe he? that? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I didn't even look at it. I just knew that he was bad both ways because when I flipped over to the whatever the channel is where they put like six games up at once, and I was watching some of the other games, it was the Mariners feed for the Astros game that I was getting the audio from, and they were having their issues with Larry Vanover. The as Astros well. Mariners didn't hold your attention. Oh, but during commercial breaks and then back and <laughs> forth, and I was going, you know, and I'm checking the other games. And then I happened to leave it there, but I had the audio on with when it, you know, whatever the Astros game, wherever it was, and the, the it was the Mariners telecast. They were critical of Vanover. They were having problems with him too, and they were questioning it as much as Blummer and TK. I thought he was just bad. Like he I, was. Bad. I thought I thought his zone was pretty bad, and like the the grades of like the overall accuracy below average, overall consistency below average, called ball accuracy below average. He actually had a called strike accuracy slightly above average. But in terms of like who did it favor the most, critical spots of the game, things like that. If you believe the ump scorecard. 
Uh, they actually favored the Astros by three quarters of a run over Seattle, which, I mean, there were some bad calls against Seattle, too. Like yeah. uh, the Ford, whenever he pinch hit, and you got a huge strike there on a 3-2 count, like that was a game, like maybe a game-changing call that he called, he struck him out. Like it was a 3-2 yeah. pitch. Difference between an out and a walk's huge in a game that's tight, and that went the Astros' way. You didn't have to be a professional lip reader to read him walking back to the dugout less than happy about those calls that he got. Yeah, so. that was to lead off an inning, too. So, like, and, and in fact, they have, like, the impactful missed calls and the biggest missed calls of the game, that was the biggest missed call of the game. Because instead of runner at first, nobody out, bottom of the sixth inning in a one-run game, it's there's one out, nobody on. Like, that's a huge swing uh, that worked out to the Astros' favor. Now, while Fromber, for Fromber standards, was not good, uh, borderline poor, poor, um, the bullpen was Nels. The bullpen was like the bullpen was so good that you're remembering last year in the playoffs whenever they would just come into the game and dominate. Because if you give up three runs in a game, especially like a playoff game, and yesterday was all but a playoff game, I'm living with that. If you tell me every single time the Astros play a playoff game, the other team scoring three runs, cool. That's fantastic. And the reason they were held to three runs is because the bullpen dominated last night. Five shutout innings through four relievers, Graveman, Neris, Abreu, Presley, and within those five innings, four guys, they struck out nine Seattle Mariners. This was the dominant bullpen of 2022 that carried you to the postseason. Yeah, it was. And the only thing you worry about is when you get a Brayu up to forty, too the, much. Yeah, it, that that that's excessive. But other than that, because when you know when you heard the guys talking about it, you thought, well, maybe they're going to split it up. You know, an inning in the third and an inning in the third, and, and try and find a way. Because I'm sitting there trying to do the math as early as he went to the pen and going, well, who's is he going to use Stanek? I mean, where is he going to fill in the extra three outs? Uh, I was a little worried about how many pitches that a Brayu threw, but other than that, man, they just they tightened down the ship, and, and no matter what. You know, Seattle had grandiose ideas of doing. They shut it all down. And, and even when Abreu kind of, you know, got into a little control issue early, settled down, got right back to his, you know, his, the money pitches that he needed to get to make outs. And, you know, you're very pleased with that. And I think you guys are right. I think whether Presley closes games or not, it's pretty. It's starting to become more evident that Dusty's going to use Abreu as his high leverage guy. I don't blame Dusty for the amount of pitches that Abreu threw because I mean yesterday was it was all but a must win game. It was mm-hmm. a ninety nine point nine percent must win game. Like, could you get into the playoffs by some miracle over the final four days of the regular season? Yes, but you're asking for a lot of help, and then you have to go do something in Arizona. You probably have to sweep in Arizona. So yesterday's as close to a must win game as a must win game is in the regular season without being a must win game. So I I had a really good feeling that as soon as they took from out in the fourth inning, which, look, you know, he might have been able to get you another inning. He was at 83 pitches. If this was a game in July, Fromber pitches the fifth inning. If this was a game in August, Fromber pitches the fifth inning. But because this was a game you had to have, Dusty had a quicker hook on Fromber than a regular season hook on Fromber Valdez. And I knew he wasn't going to go to Montero. He doesn't trust Stanek. I don't think he necessarily trusts his Maton. His leverage guys are Neris, Abreu, Presley. Graveman kind of maybe borders right there on the, is he a guy that you trust? Maybe, maybe not. But you knew in that spot you had four guys to eat five innings. I thought they were going to try to go Graveman for a second inning because you had the bottom of the order coming up in the sixth, and then you have Neris for one, Abreu for one, Presley for one. It turned out Abreu and Presley kind of split that extra inning of work. 
But Dusty Baker managed it like a playoff game. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. Your thoughts on this Astro victory on the road against Seattle yesterday. 713-780-3776. Lots to get to today. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports will be joining us at 4 o'clock. Bad Take Boulevard a little bit later in the show as well. We're on the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. When we return... Let's talk about the drama, the drama that was Hector Neris and Julio Rodriguez in that sixth inning yesterday. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, we know the big weekend's coming up. Actually starts tonight with NFL football. That's a big weekend with a chance for you to make it even bigger by winning some money on some games as you watch college and pro football. Baseball heading down the stretch towards the playoffs with the pennant races and so much more. You can make it more interesting by going to mybookie.ag because that's where you can have your money safe and secure, where you can put money in your account and bet on games. When you win, they're going to pay you, and they have a lot of different ways with a lot of different promotions where they can put extra money in your account and give you extra chances to win. They've got a ton of different ways from prop bets to contests to all different things where you can have fun and entertainment while being on the site. But the main thing they do is they take care of you. Remember this promo code, BET975. When you use it, they will take care of you even more than you just putting your money in your account and knowing that it's going to be safe. Because when you use it and put at least 50 bucks in, whether you're a new subscriber or you're coming back, they can put up to $200 extra into your account. More money in your account, more chances to win because there's more games you can bet on, and that's what makes it even better. And if you take that bonus of money that you get, and you bet it one more time, you can take it out. You don't have to keep it in for eight plays, six plays, whatever the case may be. No, bet it one more time, and if you want to go to dinner and a movie and, and basically just go on a shopping spree, you take your money out, you have at it, you do what you need to do. It's absolutely fantastic. So always remember that combo, promo code BET975. Go right now. Go to mybookie.ag and use that promo code BET975. Get all signed up, put at least 50 in. And let the games begin. It's like I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, mybookie.ag. ESPN 97.5 at no stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Time to hit into a double play. 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Neris pumped up. And he is going to say something to Julio Rodriguez on his way off the mound. He was pumped up and walked right at Julio Rodriguez. And now the benches are going to clear. Yeah, I'm not sure what. There you go. That was uh, Hector Neris after he punched out Julio Rodriguez. You know, we, we had some conversation about... Would the Astros retaliate? I think we both kind of agreed that unless the game gets out of hand one way or the other, you shouldn't. The the game just means too much. The stakes are way too high. You don't want to give up free base runners, things like that. I hadn't thought about the idea of somebody striking somebody out and then getting in their face. That was the best way to do it. It was interesting. Uh, I I thought, you know what? To me, I thought he crossed the line. I thought he crossed the line because there's a line. There's like an imaginary line that goes straight down from the pitching rubber to home plate. And you can do all of your celebrating and, you know, your your theatrics on the way back to your dugout. But when he started going right at him, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Where the hell is he going? What is this? And then to keep going, crossing that imaginary line, coming right at him, I was like, oh, my. It could just get really ugly here real quick. And obviously both benches cleared. And, and, and these guys are they're, they're from the same country. They, everybody you talk to says that they were good, they're friends. 
Uh, it was just bizarre. And I'm sitting there going, well, where is this coming from? Was there something said? Was it the last time they were here? We were going back and trying to figure out, like, who did what, when, where, and why that, you know, this year that had kind of tried to be the reason behind getting dotted Altuve first and then Chaz. But I, I don't know if, did you hear this? There's the uh, Julio Rodriguez had a, uh, an Instagram post after the last time they played or something that fired some people up. No, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I hadn't either. But I couldn't figure it out. But I was like, you know what? This could go one of two ways real quick. This could be where you fire up at the and wake up the sleeping bear at home and, and the Mariners and they could get super fired up and focused. Or the opposite, which happened, which is it fired up his own team and they followed it up with an offensive explosion that basically put the game out of reach. Yeah, I saw a lot of people on the Twitter. I think even Callis and Blum weren't too crazy about the whole Naris thing. And, it, and even Dusty after the game was like, you know, you don't want to poke the bear. You don't want to awaken the, the giant. I think that's defeatist mentality. I think it's a loser's mentality. Like, we are the bad boys. We are the defending champions. We are the bear. We are the giant. I'm going to take the fight right smack dab to you. And Naris struck him out. Julio Rodriguez, oh, well, you're, you're going to awaken the sleeping giant. He punched out the very next at bat as well. He was hitless in this entire series. So poke the bear, screw that. The Astros are the bear. I loved every bit of it, to be honest with you. I thought it brought fire to the club. Like, was it the reason they won yesterday's game? I can't say that. They're already up a run. But do you know what happened after that inning? The offense woke up. The offense started to score. The offense put three runs in the seventh, another run in the eighth. They got insurance. I think it fired them up. Hector Neris asked after the game, do you think it fired up the team? He said yes. Martin Maldonado asked the same thing. It did a little bit. Yep, I think we took advantage of it as a team. This is the fire that we've been clamoring for for the Houston Astros, and we've asked for it in a bunch of different ways. Whether it's Dusty Baker getting run out of a game by arguing balls and strikes, uh, whether it's you know getting to the top step of the dugout whenever Chas McCormick got hit in Game 2 of this series. We've been begging this team for fire. Hector Neris gave the team the fire. Stop saying, oh, I'm scared of, of awakening the Giant. No, the Giant you woke up was the Houston Astros offense. I didn't like the way they did it at all. I, I don't think it was necessary. That's not the way to do it. I thought that it was actually the opposite on the road, and that's a different story, I think, if you're in the Bronx or something like that. Why? Because the, the, the fans could get really, really raucous. But at the same time, the fans are kind of subdued. They're coming down because it, it looks like the Astros are, are taking control of this game. And with each passing moment, when you mentioned, I think he was 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. But but when, when J-Rod is your big hitter the last time these two teams met and he is striking out miserably with runners on base every time, it seemed like you deflated the entire building and you had a stranglehold on everything about that game. And the minute he did what he did... You run the risk of now the fans are back dialed in. Now the players are back dialed in. And, and I think it's one thing if, you know, you just, you know, you want to retaliate, throw a pitch. That's one thing. But to do something that really you don't see in baseball and to kind of like walk right at him and create something that wasn't there with him and everybody asking why, I didn't like it. How did it turn out? I understand. It could have turned out either way. Yeah, you're right. In this case, it turned out in their favor. It also could have turned out the other way. So you don't know how it's going to turn out from there. We don't. I think well, it's we, risky. We know how it turned out yesterday. I just don't see the difference between what he did and throwing it at someone. Throwing it at somebody's worse because you can hurt somebody. All he did was get in his face and say, let's go. I mean, well, there's also the conversation of what mm -hmm. he said, which we'll get to later as well. I just hate the attitude of, well, I'm scared that I'm going to wake somebody up. Like the moment that you're scared about what somebody's going to do against you, you're soft. Like you're scared of the opponent. And if you're scared of the opponent, that means you're not superior than the opponent. So that's why I liked what Neris did. Yeah, you're a really good center fielder, Julio Rodriguez, but I'm better. I'm going to punch you out. 
our team is better. Naris said that it fired him up. Maldonado said it fired him up. And the result the rest of the game proves that it fired him up. Julio Rodriguez, the next time he went to the plate, struck out against Ryan Presley and was pouting all the way to the dugout. Julio Rodriguez left the clubhouse yesterday before reporters could talk to them. The, the whole, like, you're going to awaken the giant. It's not Julio Rodriguez that's the giant. The Astros were the one that got woke up. I loved what Hector Neris did. We've been wanting this fire so much, and we finally got it. It's great. It's, it's great. We see it differently. I, I just think that there's a million different ways to go about doing that, and I didn't think that was the right way to go about it. Yeah, it worked out in their favor, and I'm happy it did. But I, I just I, there was too many different situ- scenarios for me where I was going, why would you do that then there? You, you got out of the inning. Punch him out. You're cruising. I understand what he did. And he, he does like to normally come down off the mound and celebrate, but to walk right at him, and like I said, to cross that line heading towards their side, I thought it was too much. Uh, some of the textures and switchers are noting that he kind of always does that whenever he, he strikes does. somebody out. Now, like when that happens at Minute Maid, he's walking that way because that's his dugout. Like the Astros dugout yesterday was on the third base side. So it's a, a little bit different. Ocho agrees with you. Neris was definitely out of line when he walked directly towards Julio, but I don't give a... P- I stood up and walked with him from my bedroom. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was excited about it, too. It kind of got me riled up. A 9964 Blankers sounds like he doesn't understand Latino baseball, which you do see this a lot more in, like, in the Dominican League with Latino baseball than you do. Well, I mean, even, even youngsters now that are coming up, like you go to watch a college ball, baseball game, like this stuff happens all the time where you're sitting there flexing after a strikeout, you're getting the bat flips. The only level of baseball where, like, this stuff is not seen, is the bigs and I didn't mind it yesterday I think it fired up the team okay uh, I, I, I mean like I said I don't mind if he's coming towards his dugout and he's doing what the the texter said which we've seen all year which is when he gets the final out and he closes the door he said he he's very vocal and you see it across the league uh the guy from the Dodgers does it over the top all the time too uh not grand uh the relief pitcher he's a big emotional Latin kid that does the same thing but you're walking towards your dugout but when you walk towards the opposing team, especially you're on the road, I think I think it's it, it's a dangerous situation, and it you know yeah it worked out this time. I just didn't like it. Yeah, I'm not, but I don't understand the Seattle the difference between Seattle and New York either. Like, why does the fan base and where you're playing in the setting? How does that influence? I, that? It doesn't change the fact that I would disagree with it no matter where it happens. Okay. But I think that in New York, when you've got people that are throwing batteries that. You know, are, are you know? I mean, they're throwing threats. baseballs. Yeah, I've, they were throwing baseballs in Seattle. Their own guy. Okay, I, I think that. But the, what are you worried about? Somebody's gonna, like going to make a like put a hit on you in New no, York or something? Don't put words in my mouth. I'm not trying to get it to oh, that I level. I'm just question. saying, though, there was on a the question, road, Mark, I'm answering the, the, the question. But you I'm said saying, don't put words in your mouth. I didn't. I asked you a question. You said you am I worried about like someone putting a hit on or something? No, but what I'm saying is if you're you've got the fans basically sitting on their hands, you just handled another inning, you, you seem to be in control of the game, and now you're crossing the line and stirring it up and, and getting everybody all fired up and juiced up. It, it could go a million different directions. Then all of a sudden, because I'm thinking, well, maybe Neris is one of those guys they're going to call on to get more than an inning. Now he's not because he's probably going to get tossed. <laughs> and so there was a lot of things going through my mind. But it, you know, I'm sorry. In my opinion. I don't think that that was the right thing to do to cross the line and walk at him. The uh, <laughs> I thought Neris might have been the guy that gave you two innings because somebody had to go an inning plus. Like at least one guy had to go more than one inning because I don't think you were going to use Mayton. You weren't going to use Montero. You weren't going to use the, you know the the lefty Stetson Bennett. Like so, you knew one of these guys had to give you more than an inning. At least one of those guys turned out two did Brian Abreu and uh, Ryan Presley. I thought Neris was going to be that guy until that happened. As soon as that happened, I was like, well, Neris is not pitching yep. the seventh inning. That's for. Did sure. Sure, he unloaded the tank completely. He got tossed. He never got tossed. 
I, I thought that they he's had, in the dugout because when I when I flipped over to the Seattle telecast after that too to see how they were reacting to this, and they they were they were making mention of the fact that when they saw him go down the steps with Murphy, that they thought that he had got tossed. I don't. I didn't hear that. I, I didn't hear that or see that any anywhere. Did you see that, Joe? I don't. I don't think he got tossed. I mean, he was in the dugout, kind of like in the next half inning. So. I didn't they're, see they're not after that, let you. but I don't know either way. I know that the, the Seattle telecast was talking about They're it. not going to let you in the dugout if they run you away there. 713-780-3776. we got a full call board. We'll get to some of your calls on the other side. Also, you can text in 713-780-3776. Hector Neris, Julio Rodriguez, the drama in the sixth. What would you make of it? The Astros winning a big rubber game in Seattle as well. And at some point, we're going to get into Dusty Baker managing his tell-off. And Dusty, we trust him. 713 713- Seven eight zero three seven seven six. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. What do you need to do whenever you or somebody you know has a car accident? You need to call Hollingsworth Law Firm right away. There's a lot of fear when you call a lawyer. Oh well, those are billable hours. We're gonna have to pay this guy a lot of money. Not the case with Hollingsworth Law Firm. You don't pay a thing until you win. That's absolutely right, Jeremy. And the fact is, is they take care of their customers because they want them to get what they deserve. I had a buddy of mine. He he, he speaks Spanish. Uh, he was afraid to go to a lawyer because he didn't know what to do, and, he, and the bigger fear was that he was going to get stuck with the cost for his, his truck, which was totaled, and his medical bills. And, and Steve and his firm came right in there and said, nope, don't you worry about it. We have bilingual people standing by. We're going to get your side of the story. We're going to get the police report. We're going to put it all together, and at the end of the day, we're not going to get paid until you win, and we're going to get you what you deserve because that's what he specializes in, and that's what he does every single day. He fights for you. And in a car crash, he will make sure he knows everything to take care of you. Don't pay until you win. The team at Hollingsworth Law Firm will fight for what's rightfully yours. Call right now for a free consultation, 713-999-8773. That's 713-999-8773. Or just head to their website, carwrecktexas.com. That's carwrecktexas.com. ESPN, PN, 97.5. Jordan smashes one to center field. Forget about it. A laser beam out to center. The big man hits his 31st of the year. We're tied up at one. That was a laser. That was unbelievable, that rocket by Jordan Alvarez. 116 off the bat. 442 homer that like was as tall as me. Even what, what did, uh, after the game, Dubon said he couldn't believe it even got over somebody's the, the top of their heads the way it got out of there. And my goodness, when that man puts bat to baseball, it's impressive. And, and that one right there, and especially where he hit it and how they needed it. But man, that was a, a an absolute clothesline shot that needed a stewardess on it, and it was fantastic. We'll get to the the Barry Bonds treatment of him in a little bit as well. Lee Sterling's going to be joining us at the uh, top of the 4 o'clock hour. He's been crushing it on the betting scene, Paramount Sports. Lee Sterling will be joined by him at 4, so hang tight. Make sure you're getting some winners from Lee Sterling. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Frank, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Frank? Frank. I called earlier and I was talking to Josh. And I, I told him uh, I wasn't crazy about when Nares did it. Six innings a little early for me in the playoff race. But I'm going to pose this question to you. You guys watch both games that you switch back and forth between the Seattle broadcast and ours. Would you rather he handle it the way Ryan Presley did in the ninth where he accidentally threw a ball where he didn't intend and then apologized to everyone on the Seattle side? I mean, for a team fighting to get in, I'd like a little fight in them as opposed to, hey, I'm real sorry that I threw it up and in on a guy like that. 
I'd rather have Maris' reaction than Preston's reaction. I guess that's my point. I'm just curious about you guys. Appreciate the call, Frank. Look, I, I think I'm, I'm not going to change my, my stance and my opinion on what I think of Naris, but I also think Ryan Presley right there, you don't, need to, you, don't, you don't say anything. You know there's bad blood between the two teams, but you know what? That stuff happens all the time, and you just ask, you get the ball back, and you get ready for the next pitch. But I didn't think he should have done all that. He apologized to the dugout and to Suarez, and I thought that was excessive on the other side of it, that I wouldn't have done any of that. Yeah, I mean, Presley's was not intentional. Presley, I mean, there's no way that Presley's throwing at him in an 8-3 game after both benches had been warned and they have three games left in the regular season and he would be suspended. So Ryan Presley's smart enough to not throw at Suarez in that spot. I mean, once the benches have been warned, and they got warned after the little Hector Neris, Julio Rodriguez thing in the sixth inning. So Ryan Presley's not going to throw at a guy up by five when benches have been warned and then Ryan Presley gets suspended. Uh, the whole, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, I know that he's been crushed on that a little bit. He's been ridiculed on that a little bit. I think in the back of his mind was, I don't want to incite a brawl here and then I'm suspended for some critical games down the regular season. So I give Presley a pass, but I agree with Frank. I like the passion of Hector Neris. I feel like in baseball, we have like this this huge, like this mindset where we sensationalize everything. It's ridiculous. Like Hector Neris took a few steps to Julio Rodriguez and people are losing their minds. How about if that was on a football field? Like, that stuff happens every single play on a football field. Why is baseball different? Because it's baseball? Like, this isn't golf. This isn't the gentleman's game. Like, people in basketball, every single game, you step towards another player. Like, what are you going to do, bro? Like, this happens in every sport. But baseball, Hector Neris takes a few steps to Julio Rodriguez, and people are losing their collective minds. And it works the other way, too. Like, who, like why would Hector Neris throw at Julio Rodriguez? I, or not throw, go after him after striking him out. I, I think that, honestly, it was like heat of the moment, competitive nature. Maybe it was like in the back of his mind. I need to get this offense going. We need to score some runs. Like maybe that was in his back of his mind. I know that like some people were pointing to last year whenever they played in uh, in June. Julio Rodriguez hit a home run off of Hector Neris and was kind of taunting the dugout. Took the bat halfway to first. Uh, apparently they didn't like that. I don't know if I don't know what Hector Neris was thinking. Uh, quite frankly, but even when Julio Rodriguez takes a bat halfway down to first, who cares? Like is that hurting anybody? Like because he's showing you up, because he's taunting you. That happens in literally every single sport. Baseball has this way of sensationalizing every little thing. Oh, the pitcher's staring in and looking at the hitter. Why are you looking at me, bro? Like, I love baseball. We all know this. I love all sports. It's like picking your favorite kid. But baseball sensationalizes minor things unlike any other sport. I, I don't mind. Ba- I, I, the bat flips are great to me. The, when Buck Showalter had a problem with Ken Griffey Jr. wearing his hat backwards and then said no one in baseball should ever wear their hats backwards. It's ridiculous. I mean, they've let, they've loosened up in a lot of ways and I don't mind Neris going back to his dugout being all fired up and doing what he's done all year and maybe even a little bit more to get his team fired up I just think that to incite the the benches clearing and go at him like that and again I don't know why and what incited him to do that but the fact that he did that I thought that was too much 713-780-3776 let's go out to the HRP listener line Dave you're in the hive with the bees what's up Dave Hey, yeah, listen, the thing is, is that most people just don't, we don't like the double standards because I've seen batters flip their bat or walk down the base or oppose and people lose their mind. It's just like you just said, baseball lose their mind over something that's really not a big deal, but I think they allow the pitchers to get away with more. I see pitchers for years strike you out and, yeah, I got him and all this stuff, and no one ever said anything about it. But the minute a guy looks at a ball, a home run, 
he, he's some type of a-hole. So, you know, I, I have no problem with what he did so long as it's not a double standard. Don't get mad when Rodriguez carried a bat around all the bases. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. that's all. I just want to say that. Thanks for the call, Dave. Appreciate it, Dave. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm of the the same thought. Like, the, the, what I admire with Blanker's point of view here is because usually, even though we disagree, like usually, who it's you pick your side based on the team that you root for, right? Like who, like in, in today's point, like the double standard. Like if Julio Rodriguez is going to take the bat halfway to first base and taunt the Astros dugout, and that's cool. Okay, that's cool. Then Hector Neris can do what he did last night. Like don't have the double standard, like Dave is saying. A lot of us, when we have the reaction, we're one-sided based on the team we root for. Like, how does Houston feel about Hector Neris last night? Most are cool with it because their team was like, you know, the the, the, the one doing the yelling, the one doing the winning, the one doing the celebrating. How they feel about it when Julio Rodriguez hit that home run, they thought he was a punk that was taunting the Astros. Like, it is a contradiction. I didn't have a problem when Julio Rodriguez tossed the bat halfway up the first baseline and was taunting the first base dugout and peacocking all the way around the bases. I'm here for this. I like this stuff. I think it's fun. I think I think it brings energy to baseball. We, we and I'm I, I I'm like this modern day traditionalist hybrid new dude with baseball. Like I love baseball, but I do think it's gotten really really boring over the years. And I like the flash. I like the bat flips. I like peacocking around the bags. I like a guy striking out somebody that peacocked around the bags against him a year ago and then telling him to go sit down. I just punched you out. Like, so don't be the hypocrite about it. And to Blanker's point, that's why I respect the opinion, is Blanker's is on the other side of it. Blanker's is saying, look, I didn't like what Neris did yesterday, but he'd also tell you they didn't like what Julio Rodriguez did last year. Right, right. But And at the same time, Jeremy, I think the more I was thinking about this too was the fact that, look, for one thing, how would Astros fans or how would we be reacting if this was done to the Astros? I'd be, I, I for one, would be here for it. I don't think the city would be. I, I don't think they would be at all. But I think the other thing is, you know, be, when you hit somebody, and we've seen our, our own pitchers do this. We've seen Fromber do this, where you try to play it off and you don't want the suspension or whatever, but you act like you didn't do it. You Obviously, when you're asked about it, you say you didn't do it intentionally. So there's no confrontation with it. And then he turns his back and he walks away. When you walk right at a dude, you're basically saying, let's go. You're walking at him, and you're not slowing down, and you're not stopping after a couple of steps. You keep going at him. That's when I think you take it to a different level, and now you're putting not just yourself in jeopardy, but now your whole team, if the if the bench is cleared, and God knows what could happen, and you need the next three games. And like I said, I'm worried about if he gets tossed. I'm thinking he's one of the guys that's going to be out there for the next inning, but I just think that's where you took – that's literally where I, when I say that as an imaginary line, I think that's where you cross the line. Otherwise, I love the celebrating, getting his team fired up, and all of that. Yeah, I, I like it all. I love the passion. Eight four three seven baseball players are a bunch of little babies anyways. Uh, Neris could have walked towards his dugout celebrating the same way, and the Mariners could have still all come out of their dugout complaining. That's true. Like that, That is true. Like We see that a lot. Like Somebody's really excited about a strikeout, pumps the chest, walks to the dugout, and then the other dugouts yell at him, don't celebrate the strikeout. We do see that well, a we lot. We question why the Astros weren't on the top yeah. top step when, when Chaz got hit. Zero four two three Mariners are a bunch of high school Harrys, stinking embarrassing. That's from uh, David in Humble. They are hypocritical is all get out too because of the fact that you know it's like we never really got to it but after the kid hit the Seattle fan ends up hitting his own pitcher from his team in his park and Scott Service is out of the dugout looking like you know bitter beer face and someone stole his lunch money and he wants the umpires and he's out there and I'm like what the hell are you doing out there <laughs> Kyle, go back and sit down Kyle I liked it because I think baseball's gotten a little boring and it needs to be spiced up a bit it shows the competitive competitiveness and passion again like this is like you do that in football every single Sunday almost every single play well I just got you get in the, get in the weight room like it happens every single play same thing with basketball like you knock you like 
like you put a good move on a guy and bury a 15 foot jumper, you're talking a little trash. You're getting in his face a little bit. Yeah. You're like baseball is the, the, the only sport where you don't. Why? Like, I think baseball's always been uh, pretty soft. 7419, and I love baseball. Uh, 7419, the Mariners and their fans are the most mentally soft in the major, in, in the bigs. Remember how they melted down last year when a broom was posted on Twitter, a bunch of hypocrites? Seattle is hypocritical mm-hmm. because, like, they're the same fan base that was, that was cheering Jose Altuve getting hit. They were cheering Chaz McCormick getting hit, and then he had to be, sit the next game because he was hurt. Thank goodness for that. And then the very next day, Hector Neris celebrates a strikeout in your favorite player's face, and then, oh, this, they're the Astros, and they stink, and they're the worst, and they're so bad. Dude, you literally hit two of the Astros' better players in the last two days. Stop being hypocritical. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's why I can't stand service. I can't stand their fan base. I can't stand the way they, they try and because they don't handle their business. And, and, and they want it their way all the time. And, and if you're going to go out there and you want to be tough, well, then, then be tough. And, 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 you know, I would have let them make the, the first move on that. I, you know, that's why I'm saying if you just walk to your dugout doing all that stuff, if they really want some, then you cross the line. You come back there, and then you're really going to see what, what they're made out of. But the Astros have shown you what they're made out of. They did it in the series. They did it in the World Series. They did it in the playoffs for you and your mini World Series last year in the, in the regular season. We can disagree on, you know, how he went about it by crossing that line. But other than that, I have no problem with it because I, I agree with you. Baseball is the most prudish sport that there is. And I love guys that wear their hats backwards and bat flip and, and, and do the kind of things that they do. But I think you're doing it for your, you know, to, to get your emotions out and get your team up. I think that's where you create a confrontation that could have gotten guys suspended, hurt, and otherwise. Yeah, I'm not really the, – the suspended hurt stuff I think is a bit of a reach, honestly. Like, no one ever pushed or shoved. I think that's reaching. Suarez did. I mean, uh, and then he um, – uh, Joe Espada tried to walk him back by the, the plate to the right of the, everything, how it was going down, and he slammed down on Espada, and he threw him out of the way, and I thought, man, he might he might be ready to go. And then there was one team that went off after that. Like There was one team who scored four runs after that, and it was the Astros. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. We can keep going on this if you'd like, 713-780-3776. But we got to get to the moronic brilliance of the Houston Astro manager, Dusty Baker. He pushed all the right buttons yesterday, didn't he? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Rocktoberfest and Beer Fest right around the corner at the Kima Boardwalk just for you. Rock on October 6th through 8th, the Kima Boardwalk with free concerts all weekend at Rocktoberfest. Rocktoberfest taking care of you. You don't have to spend a dime. It starts Friday, October 6th. Get ready for everything that's right about rock and roll. This band is loud and they have massive the Velcro Pygmies take the stage to rock out with hits from Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, Poison, and more. Rocktoberfest continues Saturday, October 7th, as the day gets started with dance and variety band Yelba. Journey tribute band Escape wraps up the night, and then it all ends with a bang. Sunday, October 8th, Houston's hottest cover band, The Slags, performing today's hottest hits, the classics, and everything in between. KemaBoardwalk.com to see the full band lineup. Also make plans for Beer Fest, Saturday, October 7th, 2 to 5 p.m. Great way to spend your Saturday afternoon. The craft beer fest you've been waiting for. Two dozen breweries and 72 craft beer samples. Head over to KemaBeerFest.com right now for a $5 discount. Also, you can see the full list, the full list of breweries that will be participating at Beer Fest. It includes Four Sixes, Parish, Sierra, Sam, Sam Adams, Shiner, Truly. A lot of great breweries that you need to get to 
at Beer Fest. Head over to KimaBeerFest.com. Get that $5 discount right now by buying tickets on the website. If you're looking for something more family-friendly, bring the family to Boo on the Boardwalk. Have a spooktacular time the whole month of October at the Haunted House. Live music, spooky movies, arts and crafts, trick-or-treating, and much, much more. See the full schedule of events and concert lineup at KimaBoardwalk.com. That's KimaBoardwalk. It's Joel and Jeremy. Three two eight one. This isn't your grandpa's baseball era. Uh, Six three four seven. The Astros have had zero life for fire lately. It sparked some emotion. Uh, finally, thirty eight thirty. Strohs have been the bigger person all year. It wasn't working. Uh, Neris flipped the switch and saved the season. Hashtag wake the giant. Giant the uh, the Astros offense. Uh, they got to keep it going though. Like this isn't the end. Like <laughs> you still have work to do. Like go win the series. Go win the series. You're in. Uh, do you have to win the series? Eh, technically not. But if you don't, like this is on you. Like it's on you if you don't go win that series against Arizona. A lot of scenarios and stuff like that. I thought Dusty Baker was great last night. Blankers. You know, whenever we we criticize Dusty Blake, uh, Dusty Baker, uh, we have to give Dusty Baker flowers whenever they're deserved. You know, the whole Michael Brantley, Einer Diaz thing. Like, look, he trusts a veteran. He trusts a veteran that can put the bat on the ball. Michael Brantley rolls out of bed and gets four base hits. The whole Chaz McCormick. You know, Mauricio Dubon. I'm not even sure if that was really a decision yesterday for Dusty Baker because we have no idea the pain that Chaz McCormick was feeling yesterday. Like, if if it's a 70% Chaz McCormick that shows up to the ballpark yesterday, I'm not playing Chaz McCormick because Mauricio Dubon's been swinging a good bat. And while I don't love him in center field, he's adequate there. He's, he's, He's okay there. Um, and, he, and he paid dividends. I mean, he hit the three-run homer yesterday that kind of broke things open, gave you the lead, made it 4-1 to at that point. And look, it was a game-winning RBI because the Mariners never scored more than three runs in that game. But to me, it was the way that he managed the bullpen. The way that he managed the bullpen in a almost must-win game, pretty much a must-win game, was very similar to how he managed the bullpen to perfection last year in the postseason that carried them to the World Series. He had the quick hook on Fromber Valdez after four when he wasn't pitching that well. Only 83 pitches, so he could have given you another inning. He had four guys to pick up five innings, Graveman, Neris, Abreu, Presley. I had no idea how he was going to do it. I thought at first it would be Graveman. That wasn't the case. I thought, okay, well, Neris can do it. Well, not whenever he empties the tank yelling at Julio Rodriguez. So, okay, Brian Abreu is going to do it. Uh, Brian Abreu threw more pitches than we're comfortable with, but it's a game that you had to have. So I'm not going to criticize Dusty about that at all. He goes an inning in two-thirds. Presley comes on and gets the last four outs. I thought Dusty Baker pressed all of the right buttons in yesterday's must-win game. No doubt. There's absolutely no question about it. And look, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that I was wrong, that I thought that Brantley wasn't going to be a guy that was going to be able to come to the plate and do what he did last night. And four hits is just unbelievable for what he was able to do. But even just the, the, the hits that he got when he got them and the fact that he was in the lineup and Dusty felt confident and he obviously is loyal to his guys, he put him in and it worked. I mean, whether to your point of whether Chaz could play or not. Well, the guy that came in for Chaz that played in the game, Dubon, it worked. But the main thing is the bullpen, the way that he was willing to go to take Fromber out of the game or as early as he did, knowing that he was going to go deep into his bullpen and tax several guys within that pen if he was going to get through all of this. But he, you know, he did it. He pushed, like you said, he pushed all the right buttons. I was a little worried about how many pitches of Bray you threw, but look, the end result is exactly the only thing that you could be working for last night, and that's what you got. It was fantastic. Would you have had an alternative plan there? Like, what would you have done differently if you didn't like it? I think, I think you knew that that was the must win, right? So you're right. That that is a playoff game. You're going to do what happens in the playoffs. You're going to go to the pen 
first sign of anything going wrong, and, and it wasn't the first sign. You could see Fromber wasn't his self, but he still his had to hit, self. He still had to get to like a certain point, right? Like yeah. he still had to get through four. I think. Like I, I don't think you can pull him after three. I I, I would have been in a situation. I would. The only thing that I don't know that you could do much. I don't want to nitpick, but I thought Naris because he's gone more than an inning before. I thought that you could split up the innings. I think we said it before the game, uh, before we came on the air, but maybe we said it during the year. I probably would have gone an inning in the third with each guy trying to suck up that extra inning and use the main three leverage guys at the back of your bullpen to get all that done. But look, Graveman came in, and I thought Graveman didn't throw a lot of pitches. I thought even he might be a guy that he'd put back out there. He's been in Seattle. He's in that environment. He's comfortable there. You could go to him as well. I don't know that I would put it all on Abreu, but look, I don't mind that he didn't, and then Abreu with his stuff got out of it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like 44 pitches makes me feel uncomfortable, but I would have done it too. And I don't, I don't like all four pitchers having to go through up downs. Like relievers usually aren't very good at up downs, so to me, I'm trying to limit the amount of relievers that I have have an up down. Go sit in the dugout for half an inning, and then come back out. So. I like that Dusty limited it to two. I would have. I think he wanted to limit it to one. I don't think he wanted to to use Presley for more than an inning, but had to once Abreu's pitch count got up to forty four pitches. So, I, I'm. I mean, they have the off day today, which is good because everybody can rest. But I, I'm probably not. Abreu's not available tomorrow. That's what I was just going to ask you. That that's my feeling as well. Look, he's way too important, and at this time of the year, you can't afford to try and put him out there too soon, and then he's dealing with you know some fatigue in his arm. So I definitely think he he's done tomorrow too, and then you'll see what happens for the weekend. He did one hell of a job for you, but I don't think you thrust him back out there until Saturday. Yeah, yeah, Saturday at the earliest. Uh, that, that was a ton of pitches. Hopefully, you can just get it done without you know needing him. Um, we mentioned the Jordan Alvarez homer, which was I mean unbelievable, like fourteen feet off the ground, one hundred and sixteen off the bat. I was hoping that people would have the numbers of was this the hardest hit home run this season? Because I can't imagine there's been a mini pitches hit harder than 116. That's got to be top 10 in baseball this season. That thing was an absolute laser. Yep. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but how about the Barry Bonds treatment that he got the rest of the way? It was very clear that Scott Service, he had the mindset and the mentality of, we are not going to let Jordan Alvarez beat us in this game. If we have to walk Jordan to give Kyle Tucker a nice situation, we are willing to do that. And It worked the first time, didn't work the second time. Yeah, This is what everybody was clamoring for when Bobby Witt Jr. was seemed to be a one-man record crew in six games with the Royals if he's the only guy that can beat you and nobody knows it better than Mariners and their fans knowing and Scott Service knowing that this is the dude that absolutely kicks your you know what every single time and you, he didn't want to have it happen again and because he had already did it once in the game he wasn't taking any chances I thought it was going to backfire on him with Tuck the first time it didn't really end up hurting him. He looked he looked pretty smart by a lot of it, after the game by everything. Oh, he what a play! It was risky. It worked out for him this time. I'd trust Tuck in that situation as well. But man, I mean that dude right there is the man. And and when the big games are there, we've seen it over and over again, especially against that team. He steps up and really performs. If I'm Scott Service, I'm doing the same thing though. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not pitching to Jordan. Jordan. Jordan's killed me every single chance that he's gotten. He killed you in Game One of the ALDS last year with a three-run homer. He hit the home run against Luis Castillo. Like this guy routinely kills you. Like if I'm Scott Service, I also am doing what Scott Service did. I'm not pitching to Jordan Alvarez with runners on base. Like he hits the solo home run that tied it there in the fourth inning. That's a little different because you don't want to put a runner on base when there's nobody already on base. Like I don't really blame Service for that. But I kind of like that mindset of service, especially the second time after Kyle Tucker failed with runners at first and third, one out the first time around. 
I think Scott Service might do that the rest of Jordan Alvarez's career, so be it as if Scott Service well, is still the manager in Seattle. Because Altuve did it the night before. Was that first pitch he swung at, Tucker? I think uh, it yeah, was. It was. The, and that the, bothered me. The I, first time. Yeah, the first time. I thought that because he just needed a fly ball, I thought he might you know, look at a pitch and, 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 and take a pitch or two before he really got into the at-bat. That frustrated me a little bit. I have confidence in Tuck. I mean, if that's a Bray, you obviously, that's an even bigger no, no-brainer. It, you, you know, even for service to think about, I don't mind if Tucker beat me if I got a Brayu on deck. But with Jordan, there's, it's a no-brainer with what they've seen him do as a one-man wrecking crew for Seattle. Seven five one six Maldonado hit a meaningless home run. Dusty will use that to justify playing him. I listened to Dusty's comments, and I'm crediting Dusty for this for this for doing the right job. Like he did, he pressed all the right buttons. Was excellent yesterday. He did annoy me in his post game press conference a little bit. They were asking him about like they just asked him about the game, like your thoughts on winning the game. And he starts you know rambling about Fromber, and he's like, well, thank goodness we had Maldi out there to settle down Fromber. I'm just like. Oh. Did he really? Yeah, he went out of his way to, to compliment Maldonado settling down Fromber. And I'm like, man, I'm feeling good about Dusty Baker. I'm going to wear my Dusty I Trusty shirt tomorrow. And then he's sitting there finding ways to credit Maldonado. But, hey, he hit a home run. you got to get credit for Maldonado, for Maldonado hitting that home run. All right, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. He's been crushing it, betting some football early in this season. He's going to join us when we return, handing out some free winners. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, next with the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.